They're just going to raise their silly flag and fly away. Wow. This, is, this show has the most flashbacks of, well, look at Bubba Fett. Uh-oh. Oh, those are clone troopers. Oh. Ooh, I can't believe we're seeing these. So this is like during maybe a month or two of time where this yeah. must have happened. Wow. Oh my God, Tamora Morrison. Tamora Morrison and all your clones. Yeah, That's whose face was doing that. How oh. could you do that, Tam? <sighs> you hurt you hurt the original Clem. Welcome back to New Rockstars. Star Wars and or episode seven proves an old Florida maxim. No one's less forgiving than a beach cop. Oh, oh, it turns out you voted. Um, that's a six year sentence now. <laughs> Sorry. Um, well, uh, Cassian's flashback to his stepdad Clem's death reveals it was clone troopers. Could we see a live action Bad Batch on this series? Oh. Where are the Bad Batch now? Well, you'll get your answers when you fix this and door. This is Wookiee Leaks, our weekly reaction to the latest in Star Wars and our Andor after show. I'm Eric Voss. My Easter egg breakdown of Andor episode seven is coming tomorrow. But right now I'm here with Tommy Bechtold. Eric, I watching this episode, I could not wait to talk to you about it because it had, it had a little bit of everything for us. Uh, pawn shops, uh, political intrigue at a party, uh, being private and exclusionary at a party, pouty children, and of course, beach culture. <laughs> this might be the first time we saw beach chairs in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> I really love it. Also a news broadcast. Was that the first time they've... You, yeah, I, I think so. I think that was uh, the first time, like, I would imagine all telecommunication in the Star Wars universe is through holocaust hologram yeah. but this is just like a flat screen and a guy like on like a kind of a soviet set yeah like the 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 central committee has reported <laughs> the le normal levels of radiation <laughs> yeah. from the there's nothing wrong going on right now you can just live your life don't question anything bullet go back to your brain you go bed forever american forces have brainwashed <laughs> why are they speaking english and russian accent you ask <laughs> my well, wife because this is what's <laughs> called a bit hey mephisto get out of this show um this episode is interesting. Let's break it down because, hey, we know these episodes come in three episode batches. Mm. Um, and uh, so we're at the start of a new arc here. Uh, but unlike the past two arcs, I'm not really sure exactly where this one's mm -hmm. going because a lot of things are happening at once and they're all very interesting. Um, so in this episode, uh, just to check in with Cyril Karn, he takes a new, it looks like a data entry job from Uncle Harlow to work at the Bureau of Standards. Uh, and yeah, this is the first time we see a TV news broadcast. Uh, everyone's talking about Aldani. Mm -hmm. Everyone's freaked out about it. Looks like he's taken in um, a position to, about fuel impurity. Was that the department he works mm, in? Yes. Uh, he's just happy to start from the ground floor. Um, this clerical uh, manager seemed to be pretty willing to expunge his record a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, like he seemed to admire this uh, this bureaucratic uh, go-to-it-ness that uh, Cyril Karn is exhibiting here. Um, and he joins this vast floor of cubicles, mm. uh, which many of us, uh, even those of us who didn't see things like uh, Terry Gilliam's Brazil, yeah, can relate to. Uh, mm. We've all worked in jobs like this before, mm. and you do feel like a, a face in the this, in this sea of people. Yes. Major Star Wars cameo, Wolf Ularen. Uh, we know this guy from A New Hope where he was initially unnamed, but since then on the animated series, Clone Wars, this guy showed up left and right. He's a very, very big deal to Star Wars. I'm very surprised to see him show up here. Uh, he gives this speech to the ISB. He tells him that the Emperor has approved um, basically 
unleashing the ISB to, to crack down on everything. They're going to raise criminal sentencing. Uh, they're going to levy these taxes on any uh, perceived to be pro-partisan sector. Dedra Miro privately worries this is playing right into the rebels' hands, mm. which uh, is... is uh, she's one of the smartest characters on this side of it because that is exactly what Luthen wants. I mm -hmm. like how we see the extremists on both sides and there's these internal debates on both sides. She orders a search of all star systems for stolen equipment from naval bases. This pisses off Blevin, which also reveals that this attendant that she asked and she said, hey, can you just keep this to yourself? He's like, yeah, yeah, sure. Hey, uh, Blevin, mm -hmm. um, this woman keeps uh, asking for things and I don't know what to do about it. Uh, Blevin... Hmm, big mistake here. He rats around in front of everyone. Big swing. You would think he'd be smarter than yeah. like, uh, but maybe he's just, he's overconfident. Um, rats are out in front of Partagats. And uh, we find out that Partagats drew the borders of all these Imperial sectors, which is interesting because she's calling into question the whole system. Um, but Miro basically delivers Partagats what he wanted, which is actual evidence to support her theory. And he sides with her, reassigns Morlana 1 to her, uh, but he does warn her to watch her back. Partagats is an interesting figure. I, this would have been more shocking of a turn from him if we didn't have Yularen coming in. Because mm. Yularen kind of gives a different level of authority mm -hmm. that kind of puts Partagats in his place. Yeah. A big episode for Mon Mothma. Mon Mothma visits Luthen, reveals that she didn't know the Aldani operation was happening, argues with Luthen over this decision to escalate the conflict, and Luthen just is still pretty giddy over all this and says that people suffering will have to be part of all this. Tommy, were you surprised that Mon Mothma didn't know this was happening? That I'm very surprised. I, 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 I guess I, with all of the differing uh, empire, empirical or imperial, empirical, imperial forces, their levels of concern and, and knowledge, I forgot that the rebellion also probably had different levels of, of, of intel and who knows what, what's going on. It just seemed from the, their first meeting that they were planning everything together. They were kind of co-conspirators. So I was, it was very surprising to me. Um, also just interesting that Mon Mothma is part of the rebellion, but funding it, but ha hasn't really fully thought through the reality of yeah. what that funding would mean. And that terrorism, from a certain point of view, is definitely going to be part of mm -hmm. this rebellion. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, what they did... Not terrorism. Like, she should meet uh, Sagarera. Mm -hmm. That guy is freaking crazy. They just robbed a lot of money, which is definitely a big step in escalation. Yeah. But, like, yeah, I love how we learned that Luthen is uh, playing some 3D chess here. Because, um, yeah, that is part of his plan. He know he doesn't really care so much about the money, which obviously is going to make a dent in a lot of ways. They're going to be able to apply that to certain, right. certain benefits. But, like, really, he just wants the overreaction from the Empire. He wants all the star systems to to have like their kids get unfair sentences while they're having like a beach party. Mm. And they're like, what the hell is wrong with this uh, system? Let's, you know, join yeah. a rebellion. And it works. We see how it works because like, uh, you know, Marva over on Ferrix is like, hey, yeah, I can. Uh, I'm a retiree now. I yeah. can uh, I can join a rebellion. I can do a little rebelling. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, I, in San Francisco, I walk through this area called the Panhandle and like. You know, maybe once a week, there's like a group of protesters who are just on the corner of the mm -hmm. Panhandle. It's right by Golden Gate Park who have these anti-war signs. And I'm so amazed by this group of people. I'm like, 
wow, there are so many things to protest right now, but you guys are still fighting the good fight from like the 70s mm. because yeah, we are in freaking endless wars and we are always fighting wars and it's freaking crazy that like we're able to move on from it. Mm. Although I don't know if they're anti-war because they don't want us to intervene in Ukraine. Actually, I don't really know what their politics are now that I realize it. I haven't really stopped to talk to them that much. I just like how old they are. And yeah. They're, uh, and they're so vicious about this one topic. I have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm just going to move on. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we, we follow Luthen's assistant, Clea, meeting with Vel Sartha, who cleans up nice, it turns out. Mm -hmm. And uh, Clea tells her that she needs to hunt down Cassian Andrew. She tells, uh, she tells Vel his actual name. Mm -hmm. And um, they need to make sure that stolen trawler stays buried. Vel really wanted to see Luthen, mm -hmm. which is interesting. I, I'm back to thinking that they might be father and daughter. They have some kind of history. There's a brief shot on Aldani, proving that Cinta is still alive. She reacts to the arrival of an Imperial Star Destroyer. Whoa-oh. Um, Mon Mothma hosts a dinner party where she enlists her childhood friend from Chandrilla, Tay Colma, to head up a charity front for her to move money around. Mm. Uh, Tay is more outspoken in his anti-Imperial views and assumes Mon Mothma is pro-Empire, um, which tells us how successful she's been in her deception. Right. But I'd be... I, if I were to take Oma in that party looking around, I, I don't think I would be so like, well, you know, I'm not a fan of uh, of this fascist mm. dictatorship. Unless. So, uh, I know you are. Unless he was simply playing his own spy games. Unless. Yeah. Yeah. Unless. 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 We'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah. Uh, Cassian returns to Ferrix, where he pitches leaving the plant to Marva and B2 EMO with the money he's gained. <laughs> I love B2 EMO. Uh, B, B is so sweet. He's like, <laughs> Cassian. <laughs> like, he's he's like a, a dog mm -hmm. or like a little kid. Is, or, you know, Uncle Cassian's home. What a sweetie. So uh, Cassian meets Bix at her shop. He does the, the shape of the haircut. Uh, mm -hmm. Knock. I know. And I wanted Roger Rabbit to just jump out and go, Two bits! <laughs> I love that shaving a haircut exists in Star Wars. Yeah. Just a little knock. Just a little thing. But he chats with Bix, and he learns that not only is Tim dead, but the whole town blames Cassian for this new Imperial control mm. over it. Um, Cassian recalls his stepfather, Clem, trying to prevent other protesters from attacking clone troopers, we see in this flashback. And then he gets arrested and hung by those clone troopers, um, this uh, ends with Cassian storming some of those clone troopers with a wrench. That must be how he got arrested. Mm. Uh, Marva says that she's staying on Ferrix because the news of the Aldani robbery inspired her to join the rebellion. It's such a sweet moment because Cassian's like, mm. oh, but I'm going to worry about whether you're okay. And she just goes, that's just love. Mm. Can't do anything about yeah. that. <laughs> what a beautiful line. What a sweet line. Like, even as an adult, she still has to explain to him exactly how love works mm. because he, in his life, was, like, adopted so late. Yeah. And they were just figuring out, like, first off, a language barrier, but then just, like, getting by in a, in a war-stricken world. And then he was, like, in prison for a lot of his youth. So, like, yeah, she just had to explain this to this adult man yeah, worrying about people. That's mm. that's called love. Yep. Cassian takes his money and he flees to Niamos or Miami. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this kind of beach resort area with some jamming tunes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, uh, you know, you see a tropical location. This might be one of the first Star Wars locations, including Hoth, that I would never, ever want to go to. Mm. Like, people are sweating. The The beach doesn't look fun. It just kind of looks like stun, sun streaked. 
Uh, I mean, this is uh, this is Miami. Yeah, hey, Miami, like it gets like romanticized, but when you visit there, you're just like, when is my flight out of here leaving? I I couldn't agree more. I also envisioned just about a hundred yards off camera, a, a elderly nudist resort with a young Max Rebo <laughs> jamming the two. Oh no! <laughs> I got to get out of here someday and go to Tatooine. <laughs> I like how uh, he has this moment where he's with a, a woman and he's faking a shower mm. uh, to count his money. And she's just like, hey, go to the store and get them, get the flea flows. Mm-hmm. Mm, I need more of the flea flows. I know it's not flea flows, it's pizos, but like, I need the pizos. Like, what is this you conversation? You like the red ones. You like the green ones. The greeny greens. Um, 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 um. And he's like, all right, fine. I'll just get out of here. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, but this ends up being a big mistake. You don't go out for a walk in Florida. Mm-mm. No one just goes out for a walk. You get in your car and you drive places. You go from air conditioning building to air conditioned building, mm-hmm. and you never just go for a walk. Uh, but uh, he gets pulled over by this stormtrooper who thinks he's involved in another crime. Uh, this stormtrooper leaves Cassian in the clutches of a KX mm-hmm. unit. It's not K2SO, it's mm-hmm. just another KX unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cassian gets uh, uh, basically just like hang on to him for a bit. Like, you don't use euphemisms with a mm. KX unit. He's going to take it literally. Tries to strangle and choke him. Uh, we get this. Uh, it's, I mean, this is just like classic Florida traffic court right mm-hmm. here. I mean, this was triggering me back to like, oh, wait, what? That's a crime in this state? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's all a we, crime. We criminalize random things here. Uh, but there's a reason why we criminalize this because one one crazy Florida man moved here and then tried to do this, uh, and we didn't realize that that was an evil thing that could be done. Mm. And now we have to have a law for it. Mm. So yeah, sorry, you're you're not allowed to pet a raccoon because uh, a Florida man once um, corrupted an army of raccoons. <laughs> so Cassian gets sentenced not to six months, which I thought six months would have been an yeah. insane um, prison sentence, but to six years mm. due to the Empire's new harsher criminal penalties for his anti-imperial acts, but I guess like any crime you could say is mm. anti-imperial. That's the insanity of this. It's like, oh, you oh you did this? Well, that shows disrespect to what the Empire is trying to do. So, you know, mm-hmm. six years. Let's just start with this question of the clone troopers yes. in this episode. Because this episode proves that the authorities who killed uh, Cassian's stepfather, Clem, were not Imperial stormtroopers, but rather clone troopers. And why is this distinction so important? Well, Bad Bat shows how shortly after the Clone Wars ends, Grand Moff Tarkin decides to phase out clone troopers in favor of stormtrooper recruits. Uh, but there was a very, very brief transition period at the start of the Empire when Palpatine's speech in Revenge of the Sith broadcast to all the clone troopers and the clone troopers were still at that point tasked with carrying out the empire's will but this is a period when this ferrix flashback takes place the empire hasn't yet assembled a new army from stormtroopers and is still using these clone troopers to set up imperial flags and insignia and chain codes and all this stuff uh, but that also means that the guy who killed cassian andor's stepdad will have the face of tomorrow morrison which is just so that is sad to think about that that Tim was doing this right now. Mm-hmm. Because whenever we think of Tor Morrison or anybody who looks like him, uh, D. Bradley Baker, it's always like that we're still on the good side of the clone troopers. Mm-hmm. You know, our friends at Bad Batch and Rex and Echo and Fives mm-hmm. and all these guys. And then our poor homeless Tamor Morrison, yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi, let's not forget about him. That's right. Uh, so it's just, it's sad to see one commit war crimes. But since Andor is flashing back to these early Empire days and is willing to include clone troopers at all, it just gives me hope that we might see or at least learn about the fate of the Bad Batch 
maybe see Tamora Morrison cameo as uh, one of these characters somewhere this season. Uh, now, I I think what Andor has trained us not to be on like cameo. Right, watch, right, right, right. We got Yularen show up here. Yeah. Yularen is, uh, he's not a B player. He's a very, very important figure to the Empire mm-hmm. and to Star Wars. But like, he's not one that like all fans will be like giddy to be like, oh, mm. yay! Yeah. Darth Maul showed up! Yeah. Um, he's, he's a specific kind of cameo. Uh, do you think we'll learn about the Bad Batch's fate uh, in this show? I just feel like the cameos we are getting from Tony Gilroy are visual cameos more than they are uh, ca- canonical characters coming back. So, like, you know, we get the KX robots. We've, I, I feel like we might see a Wookiee or two. I, don't, I just don't think he'll give us the Bad Batch because there's still too much to pack into this show, right? Like, we still have... We only have five episodes left of this season. Maybe, I mean, and it would have to be this season, right? Because then they're going to time jump, and, the, and then they would, uh, uh, it may not make as much sense. So I don't know. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, I think we may get, like, signs of maybe when they meet Sagarera's partisans mm-hmm. that we may find out that the Bad Batch ended up part of the rebellion and playing a very specific role mm-hmm. that helped them out in mm-hmm. the rebellion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would hope, uh, I think it'd be awesome if a member of Sagarera's partisans is just one of the Bad Batch or or, or a clone trooper. Yeah. Because if you yeah. say it's just one of the Bad Batch, we're going to wonder where the others are. Right, right. But I, like, I think it'd be so cool if like there's a clone trooper, if there's like Rex, mm-hmm. who's just part of his. Yeah. Uh, because he really does gather a random who's who of, of crazy uh, freedom fighters. So mm. I I really hope that that'd be, like just the fact that they're willing to show us clone troopers, just because it's such a specific era of time to have yeah. clone troopers who are serving the empire. Right. Like we're really only talking about like less than a year, I think, because Tarkin pretty quickly phased them out. Like season one of Bad Batch goes into that whole transition. Mm. But like, it's just interesting that clone troopers were, I mean, obviously they're part of war crimes, they're part of Order 66. They did some pretty horrible stuff, but, um, but just the fact that, like, for this period, they were setting up the the roots of the the empire's control over these different regions. I, I find it interesting that the protester was like, the Republic forever. Mm-hmm. Because, like, we get that nod to how the Ferrix people are cut differently back in an earlier episode. But it was really referring to how they're just, like, blue-collar people who just want to be left alone mm-hmm. and do things their own way. So I like how there's one guy who just really, really liked the system of government yeah. that the Republic brought. He- like. He's like, I loved Queen Amidala. I loved her. Yeah. I loved when uh, Senator Binks had that point of order and in, in, uh, engaged in parliamentary procedure. I want, I want to hear what the ET representatives does <laughs> to uh, to cast a tie-breaking vote to break the the, the super majority. I miss the, Master uh, Yoda. What if we get a Yoda cameo? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it'll come up next episode. But uh, I'm really, really, really enjoying this episode uh, and this whole, I mean, all, like it's just taking its time. Uh, and I really like how complex this is getting for Mon Mothma. And I want to uh, talk more about what's happening under Mon Mothma's roof because I think I think things are going to get really ugly pretty quickly for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's thank our friends Uncommon Goods for sponsoring this episode. Your loved ones are complex, beautiful mysteries, but Uncommon Goods knows exactly what they want. Whether you're shopping for mom, dad, teenagers, in-laws, or your best friends, Uncommon Goods makes it easy to find remarkable and truly original gifts for anyone. Uncommon Goods wants your holiday season to be stress-free, so check out their selection of thousands of items today. Here's a few of our favorite gifts that we found on their site. Tommy and his family have enjoyed decorating their house 
with the Fall Experience Collection. That's right. Fall Experiences galore in Bechtold Manor. We've got pumpkins, we've got leaves, we've got skeletons, we've got long sleeves. <gasps> so thank you, oh Uncommon Goods. Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade or made in the U.S. They have the most meaningful, out-of-the-ordinary gifts anywhere. Who knows what holiday shopping will look like this season? And the unique gifts at Uncommon Goods can sell out fast. So shop now and get it taken care of early. Uncommon experiences are more than virtual classes. They're unexpected opportunities to have fun and connect in new ways from tarot card readings to romantic map making, cooking, and mixology classes, and more. No matter what they're into, Uncommon Goods is the perfect gift. From art and jewelry to kitchen, home and bar, Uncommon Goods has something for everyone. Not the same lackluster gifts you just find anywhere. When you shop at Uncommon Goods, you're supporting artists of small independent businesses. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash WookieLeaks. That's uncommongood.com slash WookieLeaks for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods, we're all out of the ordinary. All right, Tommy, let's talk about Mon Mothma. Who can she trust in her household? Based on my knowledge of TV and movies, I think the one person that she can actually trust is the one person who seems to hate her the most, and that's her daughter. I don't think she can trust her husband. I, obviously, we know she can't trust her driver. We know she's being you know, surveyed by everyone. I don't believe she can trust her old friend, Tay. I believe Tay was, I think Tay was trying to fish that information out of her. And I think we're going to find that Tay is uh, in no way anyone that you should say, hey, have a good day to. Uh, I, I, think, I, think, I think it's her daughter. I think her daughter is going to be her one refuge. See, I think, I think you're right about Tay. I think Tay is uh, suspicious for sure. Um, but I am wondering if, like, if this is his kind of like a George Orwell equilibrium universe where mm. like kids of the next generation, they're the first ones to be born into this indoctrinated mm. society. And you might be able to trust kids less. And because Perrin is so, so like hostile and passive aggressive with mm. her, I wonder if there's just a sincerity there with Perrin. Oh, like yeah. Perrin kind of knows what she's up to. And really he's just mad that she's not... She's not including him in it. Right. Um, and he's like, the fact that our marriage has fallen apart, like, I genuinely loved you at some point, and I see what you're doing, and, like, I understand why you feel like you have to leave me out of it, but, like, our politics are the same. Right. I could have helped you, but it's just our marriage sucks so much, I just I have no more love for you as a person. Mm. I, 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 For whatever reason, I just, Perrin doesn't seem to be hiding his, his yeah. frustration with her. And I kind of feel like we can trust that from Perrin. Yeah. And I I think we're going to see Mon Mothma feel a lot of regret. Like, I wish that I had done a better job as a spouse because I might have had an ally and a partner here. And mm -hmm. I wonder if uh, her daughter, Leda, is just going to be like, my mother is a liar. And she's oh. going to be the one who, like... Interesting. Like, we've that, we've you got... You can't trust the kids. We've got what we like to call a good old-fashioned Wookiee Leaks rift. Eric and I have gone <laughs> in different directions in our predictions, and only one of us can be right. And the winner, well, the winner will continue to show up and do their job in the same way. And the loser <laughs> will be killed and hung by a clone trooper. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Tomorrow Morrison will show up personally to our home yeah. and hang us from the it's nearest It's crazy what Cameo is doing these days. You can get anything done on Cameo. You uh, really can. Tomorrow has the choke me out option for uh, $950. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty low. 
Yeah. Wow, what a deal. It's affordable. Um, yeah, it depends. Uh, so when it comes to Mon Mothma's house, we don't really know how much the show's going to like twist us on this, mm. but it's just like, I've been like surprised by the level of complexity and depth with characters before on this show. That's mm. just how good the writing is. Right. Like We follow so many characters home on their journeys. Like we follow right. Clea on her walk today, which I just think anybody can have like some other kind of side conversation that's happening. Mm. That's what, what I love about this. You're really giving second looks at every character, uh, looking at everything they say with for subtext. So enjoyable. I, I find these episodes requiring a second and sometimes third viewing and not feeling yeah. like I'm only watching them to be able to speak on them. I find them genuinely enjoying, find myself genuinely enjoying taking the episode in for a second time and sometimes a third time, so. Thank you, Tony Gilroy. Thank you, Tone. So next episode, obviously Cassian's not gonna spend six years in prison. We're only five years away from the Death Star blowing up. So how do we think he's gonna get out of prison next episode? I think there, there I have a, I have a, I, pardon the term rogue, I have a rogue theory. Uh-oh. Uh I think Cyril Khan- He's Karn going rogue may get him out of prison in order to bring him to justice as Cassian Andor. Does that make sense? Oh, okay. Like, I think, like, Cyril Karn might be like, I'm going to get you out of prison and then kill you myself or bring, or bring you to the Empire. Oh, my God. And be like, uh, this is the man who killed the two officers. Clear my name, expunge my record. I think he's going to make the link with all of his research that that uh Grigo, Frigo, Grigo, whatever his name is, Kurgo, yeah, whatever Cassian's fake name is right now, uh, he's not in there under real pretenses as Cassian Andor. That's my rogue theory. My uh, my other guess is that it might be um oh god, why can't I Val? Yeah, um, so I'm thinking, yeah, you bring up an interesting thought with uh with Cyril Karn at the end, we we stay focused on his eyes as he's going through all these numbers. Mm. Uh, it reminded me a lot of Severance as well, mm. how you're just like looking at a screen of numbers mm. and like who even knows what exactly your job is or what mm -hmm. it's doing. Uh, but uh, it seemed like it was implied that he might just like see some criminal record or maybe see a mugshot and recognize and be like, no, this is the same guy. This is mm. the same guy. And then in that prisoner transfer, uh, Cassian could, you know, get loose. Um, but yeah, as the fact that Vel needs him dead, I have to wonder if like Vel's gonna try to pull a Walter White thing and just get him uh, executed behind mm. bars or something like that. Or do you think she's gonna disobey and not follow the order? Maybe she doesn't want him dead. You know, maybe she, maybe she does feel like he saved her life from skiing, like and what he was gonna do. Yeah, yeah, that's totally possible. Uh, she might have like an affection for him or see a use in him. You know, mm. like. Um, but I also wonder, like, what prison he's going to be in. There are some mm. shots of, like, at least a labor camp in the trailer mm. where they're all wearing white and they're barefoot. And that might mm. be where he's sentenced. And maybe there is, like, a prison break or something mm. like that. Maybe there's, like, a rebel faction from within there. Maybe that's why they go to Sagarera And so they tell Sagarera, all right, we just need this guy. You got to break him out of prison. Right. Um, right. Like, that, I think, would be the most exciting version of this. I want to mm. see Sagarera uh, blow up in a prison. And mm. so I was like, there's not enough prisoners that I need. <laughs> and they're like, well, there's this um, tentacled figure who's in uh, solitary confinement. Named He's like, Bogolet? Just Bogolet, sir? I'm listening. <laughs> That's why he can't breathe is because he gets so excited about the poor going. <laughs> <laughs> he's so exasperated His and excited. His lungs just came in on themselves. Ah, oh, man. 
<laughs> well, we will see. We'll see. Uh, I think the next few episodes might be a whole prison break arc. I'm very excited. We'll leave it there for this episode of WikiLeaks. And again, my Easter egg breakdown is coming tomorrow. And Tommy and I will be back next Wednesday with our reaction to episode eight of Andor. You, know you can follow me at EA Voss. Follow Tommy at Tommy Bechtold. Follow New Rockstar. Subscribe to WikiLeaks wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for watching. And we are spoken. <laughs>